You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Father, we love you. God, we are uh, really committed to following you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, we're really committed to you being number one in our lives. And Lord, we live in a real world where there is so much competing for our affection and our attention. And so today, we just put you right back at the center of our affections, right back at the center of who we look at, who we look to. And Lord God, I just pray for my friends today. Lord, I ask that you would give them just supernatural help. Lord, not merely raw willpower to try to, try to make you number one, but I pray the Holy Spirit, would you come and would you help us to see Jesus? Would you help us to fall in love with Jesus again today? Do a supernatural work in our hearts and in our lives. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said amen. amen. When I was in college and graduating my fourth year, uh, my S- Systematic Theology II professor ended our last class together in a very kind of stern way. When I think back about almost all of my classes, I can't really remember the last class in any of my undergrad, really any of my master's degree. I can't, I can't really remember it except for this one class because he scared me to death. And so this professor looked at us and it was a, a bunch of seniors and he said, hey, if the statistics are true, then only two of you will be in ministry when you're 60 years old. The chances are high that if the statistics turn out to be right, that you guys, only two of you will make it. And he said this, and this is kind of what I'll never forget. He said, so if that statistic be true, my prayer for each one of you is that you would be able to stay in ministry, assuming that's your calling and passion. And he said, so my advice to you is this, stay close to God. And he closed the class. And uh, man, I, it was kind of a drop the mic kind of moment. I mean, you don't really drop the mic in theology class, but it was like, wow. I mean, it was dramatic. And when I read 1 John chapter 5, some of the commentators will say that the way that John concludes here seems a little bit random, but I wouldn't see it as random. I would see John as what I've been calling Papa John, as this man who was with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, and was Jesus' dear friend. And he ends with this drop the mic, kind of like my professor strong moment where he looks at everybody and he he concludes by just saying this. This is the actual ending. Verse 21, chapter five, he ends with this. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Like that's how it ends. Usually there's some form of doxology. Usually there's some form of benediction. Usually it's kind of how we would end, like bless you, love you, hey, you're great, what's up, I love you, yeah, have a great day, see you later, have a great night, hey, see you tomorrow, something like that. But he ends with a little bit of a stern, kind of like my professor, kind of strong, just dear children, keep yourselves from idols, it's really a command. And I think that when I read it, it's John who looks at the potential allurement of other things that would creep in. And he wants to end with this strong statement, this bit of a command, probably overflowing with love. He looks and he even refers, dear children, it's multiple times in the text he refers 
to them as children. And like a dad who's warning them, he knows, hey, keep yourselves from idols. Big deal. When Renata and I will go on a date night, a lot of times, especially when the kids were littler, I would end with, I love you guys. See you later. Well, come on, Renata. Let's get out of here. You know, like, bye. Let's go. Love you. And Renata often ended with a command. Don't run in the streets. Right? Last words. Don't climb the trees. Right? Don't swim in something you shouldn't swim in. Some kind of command. And it's birthed out of this love for you. You're not quite going to get this. I got a little bit more upstairs than you. I want you to get this. That's how John ends. He ends with a bit of a command. Drop the mic. Hey, dear children. Hey, guys, you got to get this. Keep yourselves from idols. Another version, guard yourselves from idols. Because in that culture, idols filled the place. And so Rome's influence and John writes and people around Ephesus have access to all kinds of idols. And when we think of idols, we think of external idols. And that's what John's probably referring to here is he's telling them to not worship an idol. Don't worship something other than God. And yet in our culture today, you and I wouldn't bow down to an external idol But the truth of what John is bringing is just as real because our hearts are often a factory of internal idols. Where most of us, our temptation is not to turn our back on God. Most of us, our temptation is to slowly allow affections of other things to take up so much space that before we realize it, we live with all kinds of idols in our lives. So this morning, I want us to take John's words... And just ask God, is there currently in my life any idols? Like, is there anything in my life that I love more than Jesus? Is there something that I've put in my affection, my excitement, what fascinates me, what I talk about is higher than the one who created me, redeemed me, is gonna, I'm going to spend eternity with? And I know that that's kind of a heavy question, but I think Papa John ends on purpose with a bit of a command saying, hey, keep yourself from idol. And even a couple thousand years later, we do well to look at our lives and say, are there any idols that still exist in my heart? Like maybe you made the decision to follow Jesus. And at that moment, it was like, all right, I bow the knee. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm a worshiper. I'm, an, I'm obedient But you and I know that over the course of time, the temptation is to allow so many other things to creep in. And I just want us to do a reset today. Just reset everything and go, Jesus, you are my supreme passion, my magnificent obsession. Jesus, I'm putting my attention back on you. You're number one. I love some of the definitions that people give to what an idol looks like. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous theologian, said... An idol is anything that holds a controlling position in my life. Beth Moore, she said it this way, anything we try to put in a place where God belongs is an idol. Or an incredible pastor, theologian in New York City named Timothy Keller, he said it this way, anything in your life that is so central that you can't have a meaningful life if you lose it. Like if I lost that, my life... 
My life doesn't have meaning and value. If that be the case, then potentially that has become an idol in your life. Timothy Keller, he illustrates it this way. He talks about the movie Rocky. And there's the moment where Rocky says, if I can just go the distance, then I know that I'm not a bum. If I can just go the distance, if I can just do this external thing, if I can just stay in the ring, then I know I'm not a bum. And some of us, if you were to say, if I, if I could just, and maybe it's not stay in the ring, but you fill in the blank. If I could just this, then I'll know I'm not a failure. If I could just have this, if I could just get that house, then I'll know I've arrived. If I could just get that education, if I could just find that spouse, if I could just have that kid, if I could just keep that kid from doing that, if I could just get that car, if I could fill in the blank, if I could just, then I'm not a bum. Then I'm okay. Then I'll be all right. And it works as a functional savior instead of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to fill in the blank today and just begin to ask the question, what are the functional saviors that I've allowed to take up space in my heart? What are the things that don't need to be my supreme passion, my obsession, and they got to take a back seat to the one that you love? And you do love, and you have decided, and he is number one. And if you were to mentally say it, if you were to, if you were to think it, say it, communicate it, you would say, Jesus. But the reality is, is that in a world full of idols that we live in, it's usually not something that we would say, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, you know, I, I got this idol. It's called music. I love it. It's first place in my life. Like we wouldn't talk that way. We, wouldn't, we normally probably wouldn't say, hey, hey, you want to know what's the biggest deal to me? How I look. What do you think? This is my idol. No, it's more as we kind of look at our lives and kind of comb through our affections that we start to take inventory, that it's, we start to go, oh, this means too much, God. Holy Spirit, help me. I need God help because on my own, I'm allured to this affection. This idol takes up residency in my life because I like it. It's not, usually it's not that it is a bad thing. Usually it is a good thing that we've tolerated to take up too much affection. And so when good things become little gods, they're idols in our lives. And so we want to ask that question, all right, God, what is the thing that I tend to worship? What's something in my life that I've just slowly allowed to creep up? And I want to heed John's warning. Heed John's command, little children. And just hear it like that. Just hear it from an old man who's been with Jesus. And he's looking at, he's looking at people that he wants to have great relationship with Jesus. He's looking at people that he wants to do well. And he's not doing it in anger. He's not doing it out of frustration. Just like Renata would look at the kids and say, don't climb the trees. Don't go play in the streets. Why? Because I want you to live. John's looking at you, the word of God piercing your heart today. In love, what is it? What's the thing that you've allowed to become, in a sense, a functional savior? 
if I could just have that career, if I could just get my income up to this level, what is it? What's the thing that today you kind of need Holy Spirit surgery and you come before God and go, God, this is where I'm really at. Change me. Help me. You were made to worship God. I mean, that's why we were created. We, forever, we are going to walk in relationship. You have inside of you, you have this desire to be fascinated, to say, wow, to look at something and go, that is awesome. Like that's, that's inside of you. And, and we as human beings, we do it all the time. We'll look at something and we'll go, man, that's awesome. That's really great. That's amazing. That's incredible. And of course, when we read in Genesis, before the fall, it is walking with God and God, you are awesome and you're amazing. But after the fall, the temptation is to worship things and let things be in the place where your worship for God is supposed to exist. And so then things become this, this savior, this, this thing that you talk about, this thing that we're attracted to, this we were made to, in a sense, orbit around God. Like, oh, he is awesome. He is king. He, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Wow, you're the creator. You're awesome. You made me for relationship. You're life-giving. You saved me. You changed me. You redeemed me. You're my hope. You're my future. You're my purpose. You are everything. And yet, if you take that out, if you take Jesus out, the human heart still craves to worship something. Uh, and if Jesus isn't at the center, you will still orbit. You'll just find something else to orbit. I'll orbit, and you fill in the blank. Nathan said it a moment ago. I'll orbit the stock market. I'll, I'll orbit how I look. I will look good. Or I will make money, or I will find somebody, or I will make sure that I have these friends. And you, you pick the subject. But your heart will find something to orbit. And if it's not orbiting Jesus, if it's not orbiting what you were created for, which is ultimately relationship, you'll, you'll find something. Here in John 5, I, I think I, I see three things here. I see in verse 18, look at this. It says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of, uh, born of God keeps them safe. It's the first one. Like Jesus, you are the one that keeps me safe. You're my provider. You're going to take care of me. You're my source. And if we don't get that, if we decide to orbit around something else, then we'll go, I'll, maybe, maybe I'll find a different idol that will keep me safe because I don't really trust you. Someone else, something else that will protect me. I'll give myself to you fill in the blank. Verse 19, we know that we are children of God. Okay, not only protector or provider but we are children verse 19 we are children this would be like identity this would be who i am man at my core i am and if it's not i am the beloved i am a son i am the redeemed i am a sheep of his pasture if it's not that because you've ceased to allow yourself to orbit around christ and you put something else in there then it's like i am i gotta find something 
I am a magazine model. I am a fast driver. I am a, so you fill in the blank. I, I got, it's that craving. It's, I, I want to be identified somehow. I'll tattoo some logo on my back, just something to be identified. But at the root, man, if you get Jesus, you're my provider. You keep me safe. And then verse 19, and I find my identity in you. Then verse 20, this last one, we, all, we know also, so it's multiple times, verse 18, we know. Verse 19, we know. Verse 20, we know. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. When I think of this, you could say understanding, revelation, perspective. Jesus is my worldview. He's the lens by which I see the world, my purpose. My, my aim, my understanding. And if we don't, if, again, if you orbit you, something other than Jesus, then you'll find some other way to find a way to define who you are, why you exist, how you see the world, what your purpose is. And I see here as John concludes, I think these are ways that we start to live with other things being functional saviors, other things being what we care most about, and my prayer for you and me is that internally, Jesus would increase. And when we see him, when we experience him, when we walk with him, it is the slow pushing out of other idols. And so in their culture, Roman culture, they just worshiped external ones. Some of them of the day were Aphrodite's was beauty and Athena was wisdom and Argamus was money or economics. There's lots. But in our day, we, we still have them. They just, just don't have, they just have different names. But it's the same ideas. It's status. And if, if, you're, if your idol is status, then things are going bad and you go, well, at least I'm still a big deal to so-and-so. At least I still have my reputation. At least I... <sighs> At least I still am part of this club. At least I still got that. If it's money, then it's like, well, that, may, that all may be going wrong, but at least I still got a big bank account. Well, it all may be going bad, but at least I got a, at least I got a college degree. At least I'm smarter than everybody else in this room. Maybe it's beauty. Well, it's all going bad, but at least I'm better looking than all of y'all. <laughs> if it's beauty, looks. But who we are is the redeemed. Everything's falling apart, but at least I got Jesus. Because at your root, it's not my education, my money, my status, my looks. Though the world crumbles around me, at least I have my foot on the rock who is Jesus. And my worldview is Jesus. And the one who, where I find safety is Jesus. The one where I find identity is Jesus. The one who gives me perspective is Jesus. He's, he's at the root. And this, this is so critical because each one of us, we're... We're around stuff so much. 
I see it this way. Idols creep in when we just ignore Jesus. Like, it's not like we make a decision. I'm going to worship my looks. I'm going to, we don't make a choice. But in the ignoring of Jesus, just kind of pushing him aside. Yeah, 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 of course, Jesus. Of course, got the t-shirt. Been to church for 30 years. Then the eyes start to be allured by other things. So the dream is to come before God, realign. Jesus, you are, and I would encourage you, I would encourage you to get alone with God every day, even if it's just driving in your car and just saying, Jesus, you are, and fill in the blank, you are faithful, you are true, you're my savior, you provide for me, you're my identity, you are my reason for living. You are my purpose, Jesus. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. A.W. Tozer says in his book, The Pursuit of God, our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. It's so easy to allow things, whatever the thing is, to just take over. But when we look at the text, I mean, we read here this text from, from John as he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. But man, the Bible's full of it. I mean, all through the Old Testament, there's just, the, the, the good day is when the idols are crushed. I, I think even of the Ten Commandments, I mean, number two, just no idols. Number two, I mean, it's just right there at the top. None, zero. And so then you begin to ask yourself the question, okay, David, all right, got it. What are mine? Okay, that's what an idol is. Let's work on identifying yours for a moment. Just answer these questions in your head. You ready? What do you think about most during the day? What's the ultimate end of all your labor? What do you make time for? What do you always seem to have money for? Like you'll figure out a way to have money for that. What do you love? What do you use your relational connections to get? What do you dream about? What do you chase? What do you defend at all costs? Answer those questions, and they'll lead you down a little trail to some potential idols. And so today, I just want to just, just want to look at Jesus and go, okay, you're, you're the center. Be the center. You're number one. Not these things. Not money. Money is good but I don't want it to be God. Not beauty or good looks. It's good, but it's not gonna be my idol. It's not gonna be God. What people think about me or my status, hey, truth is we live in a real world where people are talking all the time, but it's not gonna control me. It's not gonna be what I live for. It's not gonna be my all in all. And I want you just to begin to ask, ask those questions. Jesus doesn't exist to give you your idols. We, we live in a culture where oftentimes people so want these things. They, I want safety and I want the good life and maybe I want money and maybe I want, I want these good things and so I choose Jesus to get those things. And we live in a culture that a lot of that gets real twisted where I choose Jesus for that. 
But here's the reality. We choose Jesus not to get that. We choose Jesus because of who he is. Because he's worthy of being our supreme passion. And as we follow Jesus, it is amazing how much he loves to give good things to his children. It is amazing how the blessing of God exists on the righteous. But we choose Jesus because he's Jesus. Because he's worth the one, being the one that we don't ignore, that we worship, that we exalt, that we put in the highest place. So today I want us just to develop a practice. When you get alone with God, maybe, maybe as a way that you start, maybe as a way that you conclude, maybe as you pray during the day. One of the things we do at the Wednesday night prayer meeting is I just always have people just begin to tell Jesus who he is. Because here's what happens. When we worship Jesus, our idols start to fade. Because we, our affection goes towards him. And our hearts start to orbit around the one who is king, is creator, is friend, is hope, is love, is great. And he becomes great. And those other things get put in the right place, which is not first. Jesus you're number one, your first place. I'm not going to allow these other things to dominate my life. And so my prayer for us is that we would take John, dear children, keep yourselves from idols, and that we would not categorize it as a different time, different place, a different people, and why would I even struggle with idols? But instead to put it right in the center, Heed it as a warning from a friend of Jesus and the word of God that's alive and active today and say, God, man, crush all idols. Holy Spirit, magnify Jesus in my heart, in my affections, in my life so that nothing stands between Jesus and me. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. Jesus, we look to you today. And Lord, we just confess that we've got so much to look at. I mean, from perpetual media, constant, constant relationships. We live in a time and a culture where it's so easy to have idols. And we ask in Jesus' name for your help today. Now, would you just go ahead and just follow that trail for just a minute? And I just want to give you a moment. It's just a you and Jesus moment. And I just want you just, not, not seven idols, but just one thing. God, I think, I think what's taking up real estate in my head and my heart so much is that car that kid, the good thing that you just have allowed to become first. And in truth, you're orbiting around that thing. It's kind of where your brain goes. It's what you dream about. Given a conversation, it's what you tend to talk about. Take a minute and just identify it. Just give it to God. Here's the phrase I want you to say. 
God. You're better than that car. God, you're better than status. God, you're better than retirement. God, you're better than a spouse. God, you're better than that person liking me. You are better. You're first. God, you're better than success. You're better than status. You're better than the American dream. You are my Lord and you are my God. You created me. I'm going to spend forever with you. You're my affection. My life orbits around you, God. I'm not the center. You're the center. You're number one. You're king. You're creator. You're friend. You are my rock. And it is not anything else. So today I realign my affections on you. I just reset. And everything is second compared to Jesus. I don't want to ignore you. I want you to be right at the center. I want to be 100% obedient. I want to sing songs. I'll fall short. I'll mess up. But the aim of my heart is to have my setting be you are number one. Jesus, we as a church, we just say, be our obsession, God. Be number one. Be our first love. We ask that worship would increase of Jesus. We pray that idols would be crushed. Jesus' name. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.